this day, Lord God. This is the day that you have given us. And Lord, I pray that none of us will use this day or take this day in vain, Lord God, or take it for granted. As there were some that went to sleep last night, Father God, and, and you know that they did not wake up this morning. So, Lord, as we are gathered in this place and we are some of the many that you woke up, Lord God, and that you have given another day on this side of eternity, Lord God, I pray right now that our hearts will be open. I pray that hearts are being settled even as right now by your spirit, Lord God. Settled in such a way that, that hearts are being open to just receive from you, Lord God, that we drop our walls of religion and, and everything else that comes uh, to distract us, Lord God, and that we just yield ourselves to be able to intimately be able to hear from you by your spirit, Lord God. Speak to our hearts, Lord God, for as uh, individually even, Lord God, that it may accomplish and do that which you want to do in our hearts, in our lives, to mold us, to make us, to change us, Lord God, that we may be true representatives and, and vessels that are fit for your master, for your use, O oh Lord. So right now, Lord God, break every chain, break every wall down, Lord God, and give us an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying unto us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. If you will, turn your Bibles. Come on, yeah, we can give God some praise. We can't give him enough praise. Don't let me stop the praise. I never want to get in way of God's praise because he is worthy to be praised. And this ain't just no cliche. This ain't just no words because the truth be told, if the spirit moves upon us and, and, and if God just wants praise for the rest of the time, then I'm fine with that. Because he is worthy to be praised. This is about God. And we have to begin to have a real burning passion for him. Not for our agenda. Hallelujah. Yes, and we have an agenda sometimes. And it ain't a bad thing to, to plan an agenda. But when the spirit of God moves, then who and which one of us should stand in his way? My God. So Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28 on this morning. I'm excited, my friend. I don't know about y'all. Y'all seem really quiet in here. I don't know if it's because uh, all of us still left in the sanctuary. We ain't going to get no Easter eggs or whatever. I don't know what it is. But what I do know is that, man, we, this is a day that we can and ought to if we really allow the spirit to speak truth into our hearts right now that in that man it will give you a joy that is everlasting a peace that passes all understanding and I ain't just saying that from no cliches way I'm telling you that as we link into the spirit of God allow the spirit of God to minister truth into our hearts it brings us to a place as though just like Aaron had prayed over the nation of Israel and continued to pray, it would be like God's face. Can somebody imagine God's face? 
Not that you've ever seen his face, but I'm talking about God Almighty. Can you imagine God Almighty and, and uh, powerful and all, uh, mighty as he is that his face shine or smile down on you? See, some of us need to really be able to see this picture, the face of God. I'm talking about not just smiling on the world, but I'm talking about smiling on you. Somebody say, what well, you means me, right? So somebody say, God's face shining down on me. Somebody say, me. Yeah, see, this is a personal thing. Can you imagine God's face shining on me? Not me, but you means me. So on you, in there, it's a personal thing. And the Bible says that when God's face shines upon a man or smiles upon a man, guess what it does? It brings peace to a man. When God lifts up his countenance upon a man or individual, on you, on me, when God lifts up his countenance, this is what Aaron prayed, because with the countenance of God being lifted upon you, it, then it brings grace unto you. This is why he says that you lift your countenance upon me and be gracious unto me, O God. We all need God's grace and we need his peace. Hallelujah, especially in a time such as this. So let us move to Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to start at the beginning of the chapter. If we have the title of the message this morning, uh, it would be, He is not here. He is not here. Don't, don't, somebody thinking about that already, I get you. But there's a reason why he's not here, and we're going to talk about that. He is not here, but there's a reason. So in verse 1, it says, now after the Sabbath. Before I go any further, let me just let uh, lay the foundation. Here, when it says, now after the Sabbath, at the first day of the week beginning, as the first day of the week began to dawn, this is speaking of Sunday morning. It's speaking of early Sunday morning. But this this Sunday morning, this early Sunday morning is a particular Sunday morning. It's the, it's the Sunday morning after the Friday that Jesus was crucified. So when you read in chapter 27 of Matthew and before, then it speaks of how they took him from judgment hall to judgment hall. It speaks of how they beat him with a whip. It speaks of how they hung him on the cross on Calvary's mountain. And it speaks about, about how he ended up ultimately taking his last breath. It speaks about how they mocked him when he was on the cross saying that if you are the king of the Jews, then uh, you know, take yourself down from there. If you are the son of God, then you ought to just come down from there. And not only them, but even the, the thieves on the cross that was hanging with them saying, yeah, if you if you're the son of God, then you ought to take yourself off the cross and, and take us off with you. You know, in there, glory be to God. But the thing about Jesus he knew that if he had, he, he had the power to take himself off the cross or call a legion of angels from heaven that would uh, be able to minister to him and bring him off that cross, but he stayed on the cross. He says, uh, the, they, they told him that if you, if you are the son of God, you ought to uh, take your, uh, save yourself. Take yourself off the cross so you can be saved. But we know that Jesus did not take himself off the cross to save himself. He stayed on the cross that he may save you and me, my friend. 
and that the only way that he would be able to save you and me was for him not to save himself in that moment. Glory be to God. So he died on the cross that Friday. But here it is early on Sunday morning. Friday would have been one day. Saturday would have been two days. And Sunday, that early that Sunday morning would have been the third day. Somebody say third day. Yeah, don't, let's not get it confused. It wasn't like he had to hang on the cross for three full days. But he says that on the third day, I will do what? I will rise again. And this is what we're going to witness here. Verse 2, it says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. And the guards stood for fear, excuse me, the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For, somebody say for. For he is risen. See, there's a reason why he is not here. For he has risen, glory be to God. And as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. In verse 7 it says, and go quickly. He, this is the angel telling the, the women that came to the tomb early that Sunday morning. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee, that you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and joy and ran to bring, and ran to, uh, bring his disciples that word. You'll notice that the, uh, the, the women, when they left, and they took off as the angel had instructed them to go and go quickly, that they left with two heart sets. What came over them first was fear. When they came up on the tomb and they heard the words, he is not here. See, because they came, and if you look at the count of Mark, uh, Luke talks about the count, even John. But in the account of uh, Mark, it, it talks about how they had, the, they had prepared spices. See, the women was coming to the tomb of Jesus that early that Sunday morning with a purpose, and the purpose was them for them to come, that they were bringing spices. They were planning to anoint the body of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, they and also the, the book of Mark, it, it, it raises a, a question in the sense that when, as they were approaching the tomb, they remembered that, that it was sealed off with uh, such a big stone that, uh, you know, they knew that they wasn't going to be able to move it. So they, it never dawned on them until they got close to the graveside or to the tomb. And they, they began to ask themselves questions. Well, who is going to move the tomb for us? But little to their uh, knowledge and understanding is when, as they approached the tomb, that the angel of the Lord had already came and removed the tomb. I mean, the stone from the tomb, amen? 
that he had already came and removed the stone from the tomb. But it wasn't for the purpose that they wanted. And so when they hear the angel of the Lord tells them that he is not here, fear struck them immediately. Can you imagine? But the next words that they heard was that he is risen from the dead. See, he ain't here because he is risen from the dead. Come on, somebody. He is not, he wasn't there because he had risen from the dead. And that is what we have to be excited about. And that's what we are celebrating on today. That he is not, that he wasn't there because he had rose from the dead. Glory be to God. And if you turn your Bibles back just one page to chapter 27. Because there's something interesting about this whole ordeal that is worth us talking about on today. And that is that as we see the stage, we know who crucified Christ. That Pilate uh, was the one who released Christ unto the uh, scribes, Pharisees, the elders, the Jewish, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. And rather than Bar uh, Barabbas, they wanted Jesus to be crucified. Come on, somebody. And in that, one of the, there, there's something that's really interesting and I want, that God wants to speak to our hearts because it is relevant to even us today. And that is that those, the very ones that crucified Christ, as he ministered, because one of the things that Jesus had made known and he had encouraged his disciples over and over again, and uh, he had told them over and over again, that I must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the scribes and the Pharisees. Matthew chapter 16 talks about that. That, he, that was the first time that he had told them that I got to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the scribes and the Pharisees, even to be killed. And so throughout the whole ministry, he kept warning his disciples that he kept telling them over and over again that, I, that, that I'm going to die. But don't worry because I'm going to be raised up on the third day. And see, and not only did he tell his disciples that, but he had ministered that over and over in the, in the temple. So not only did the disciples know that, guess who else knew it? The, the, the very ones that crucified him. They was aware fully of what he had said over and over again. But here's the interesting part that even Mary uh, and, and the women that came to the tomb, and not only them, because as you read further in the story, when Mary and them uh, did just what the angel told them, they went back and, and began to share with Peter and, all, and the rest of the apostles that Jesus Christ had been raised from the dead, that they had went to the tomb and he wasn't there. He had been raised from the dead. What was their reaction? They was at, their reactions was they didn't believe him. They did not believe him. They have to go and, and see for themselves. And even seeing for themselves, we know that even then they still didn't believe him because the very next day, Peter and, and a lot of them was ready to leave and go fishing again. Not only were they ready, they did. In there. So what I'm saying to you is this, it's really interesting on how the people that, that killed Jesus, the scribes, the Pharisees, they remembered what he said that he was going, that he would be raised on the third day. But those that, that was walking with them, that he had shared over and over again with them, did not, that was the last thing they was thinking about. 
They were thinking about themselves and how, man, oh, we didn't did all of this. And now, because their, their mindset was that he was going to set up his kingdom here on earth. Even though he had told them that I'm going to go and I'm going to die and I'm going to be raised up. He says it in John that you know you don't understand these things when he was sharing with them in John chapter 14. No, you don't understand these things that I'm sharing with you now. But later you will. And it's interesting because even for you and me today, and this is the charge, is that do, the enemy remembers the promises of God. But why is it that we seem to, you know, through distractions or through situations, fear comes upon us and we don't remember what God has said? Look here at verse uh, 62 of Matthew chapter 27. So here, Jesus had been crucified. Joseph had buried him in the tomb. And so we pick up in verse 62, it says, on the next day, which would be the day after Jesus was crucified, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, sir, we remember while he was still alive. See, they remembered something. How that, that, how that deceiver, they calling Jesus a deceiver, that he said, after three days, I will rise again. He says, therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal his, him away. And say that uh, to the people, he has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. This is what he's telling Pilate. This is what they're telling Pilate. See, because they remembered that Jesus had said that on the third day, you kill me now, but on the third day, I'm going to rise again. Hallelujah. And though he had spoke that to his disciples, those that he loved, those that had walked with him, those that gave their life to him, those that were following him. Sounds like you and me today, my friends, that he had gave them a promise in, in a word that in the midst of trouble, when the trial came and the trouble came, that they forgot the very word that Jesus had said to them that will comfort them and will bring them peace in the midst of the moment. But whoa, the enemy did not forget it. Matter of fact, the enemy, uh, if anybody should have forgot it, uh, it should have been them because he just, he was ministering that. They didn't believe what he said anyway, so how could they remember that? But they were coming from a standpoint that we, gonna, we need to block every angle from this guy. So why they didn't uh, really believe him, they must have knew something. And so really, as you read the picture and as you look at the picture, it's almost as though they, they knew that he was God. But they didn't want him to be uh, their savior. See, they wanted to be able to present themselves to God in the way that they knew and that they were accustomed to. In the way, in, in a, so the only way I can say it is in a way that they wanted to. He is not here. It's because he is risen. And it's crazy because thou as they, here it is, they, they not only do they remember what he said, but they putting in steps and, 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 and in place to cover just in case. 
just in case. So they go, now they go back to Pilate and say, hey, Pilate, we need, we remember this guy said that he, uh, you know, even though he, they call him a deceiver right in front of Pilate. He's a, a deceiver is a liar. You know, one that, uh, that, that, that cast lies in order to trick you. Even though they, they called him a deceiver, a liar, but yet they must have felt some truth to what he was saying because they wanted to cover even the fact that they called him a liar, but we're going to address this, what he said. And we remember he said that he's going to rise on the third day. And see, and we don't want the, uh, the disciples because uh, if we heard it, then we know they did. So we don't want them to deceive the people. So we need to make sure that they can't come in and, and steal the body and, and, and then go and tell the people that he had rose again. Well, if you read and know the story, that's exactly what they did is they sealed the stone with a signet. And not only did they seal the, the stone as the door of the, the tomb, but they put 16 guards to guard that. Four on watch and 12 would sleep in where they slept. It, they slept in a semicircle uh, in front of those that was at watch. So even if you came, if you if somebody tried to come in to, uh, to get to, uh, to the stone to, to remove it, they would have to go across or, uh, the 12 that would sleep in front on the front line to eat. And then they would have to encounter those, the four that was armed and ready and awake to be able to do this. So glory be to God. We know that as you read through the story, what you will find is this, my friend, is that uh, the angel of the Lord came. And when the angel of the Lord came, an earthquake came with them. And he removed the, the, the stone from the, the tomb. Glory be to God. And then what we've seen right then is that it says that the that fear struck the, the, the guards. Uh, it, it struck them in such a way that they, they, that they were so uh, overwhelmed and still as though they were dead. And as, you, as we continue the story, uh, they seen exactly what happened. And afterwards, guess what they did? I'm talking about the guards. The guards then, they went back to the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the elders and the chief priests, and they told them the story as to what exactly did happen. That no, it wasn't no disciples came, but it was an angel of God came. And, it was, and, it, and he was, must have been big and, or, 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 well, he was mighty strong because it, what it took all 16 of us and more to move this stone in place. It, he moved it by himself out of the place. And he raised Jesus and took Jesus and raised him from the dead. They went and told them what happened. And for some of you Bible students, you know what then happened. What then happened is that, that the scribes and the chief priests and the Pharisees, what did they do? They gave them money to go and say nothing of this story, to not repeat it ever again, but go and tell the people another story. And the other story was that, the scribe, that the, 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 his apostles came and stole the body. And that's exactly what they did. And he said, don't fear the, the Roman governor. We, it, we'll, we'll, we got your back. 
Uh, so when you tell this lie, don't worry. It ain't going to come back to get you. We'll, 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 don't worry. We got you. So they paid them off. And do you know that even amongst some Jews, that story is still even today that the apostles came and stole the body. So the point that I'm making is that not only did they, were they aware of what Jesus had said, aware enough to try to deal with it, but they actually got the real story. So they know for themselves that Jesus was raised from the dead by God the Father and to the glory of the Father. Come on, somebody. They know for sure, and it's right here in your word. So it ain't, uh, even though some of them still want to carry the same story in there in, in the word of God, the, the, the living word of God, the Bible that we say that we believe in. And not only we say we believe in it, but they say they believe in it because they believe in the Torah, the, uh, the prophets. It is all written and not just is it written in the New Testament, but it's also written in the Old Testament because it was already prophesied, prophesied that all of these things would happen, my friend. And that this day, one of the most important days under the sun and ever known to mankind, that the devil himself would use the people, God's chosen people, to try to steal that day. To try to take that day away. Because you remember he had already did it. He had already, when I say did it, he had already tried to do the same thing because he did that as soon as Jesus started his ministry. Remember when he had, went into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. And then right away, here's Satan there to tempt him and trying to get him to, to bow down to him or to make the mistake that he would not be worthy to be the sacrifice for you and me. That he would not be worthy because he would have been fallen into sin. And that his sacrifice would not have been acceptable unto God. See, the resurrection, my friend, is a sign that God has accepted the sacrifice. The resurrection is the sign from God that he is satisfied and have accepted the sacrifice that man may be have the opportunity to be redeemed unto him. See, and, and, and this is the, the thing about it that we have to understand and this ought to compel us as believers to be able to give our lives over for, for the rest of our stay here to the work of the kingdom because there's so many uh, uh, people out there that is dying every single day and leaving this place and do not know the Lord and do not know the way that God has orchestrated man come back to him. There's many that is leaving this place and there's many people out there not just leaving but there's many uh, people that believe all kinds of different things. They, man wants to, and it's, it is no different than what the picture that we see here because man wants to make his own way. And it's, it was happening then when Jesus was live here and, re, and doing the thing that even then men didn't want God's way. They wanted their way unto God. So we're talking about the creator of all things. The one who made us and we realize he made us. But man, in, in, in this injection that we've received uh, of sin, 
with the fall of man is, is an injection that is so strong that, that the very one that we know created us that we want to dictate to the creator. And the dictation that we want to uh, dictate to the creator, even though we, we honor him because he's God with our mouths, but our heart obviously is far from him because when we, to present ourselves to God, then we want to present him to him the way we want to, not the way he's orchestrated. Say, forget what you're saying, God, I'll come to you this way. And no, we won't say them words because them seem strong words, right? But it don't matter the words, you, whether you say the words or not. What matters is, is how we living and how we doing it. In there. And in, in this injection of evil, and this is how, this is really why we cannot take for granted the fall of man and what really happened. You know, and how the, uh, when Adam, the Bible says that sin entered into the world by one man. And by one man, uh, life, we will be given life. See, sin came by the first Adam. And we are given life by the second Adam, Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. This is why he says, the, and he said it at, at, at the, uh, to Mary and to Martha, you know, in John chapter 11, when, when he had finally got there, when their brother Lazarus has died, he says that I am the resurrection and life. That I am the resurrection and life, my friends. And because we don't really understand that. See, he is the resurrection. He is the one that God has resurrected to everlasting life. And though every one of us that, uh, that have died with him, then we will be raised to everlasting life with him also, my friends. And that there, and this is why he said in John chapter 14 that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father except through me. And he wasn't saying it because he thought he was all that. He wasn't even saying it because he wanted to be that. He was saying it because God, somebody say God, had orchestrated that. And see, in that which God has orchestrated, who and what, which one of us? can come behind what God has orchestrated that we would change it to make it what we want. In the creation of man and how God created man even in his own image, which one of us would do that? See, none of us in our right mind would do it. See, that's why, that's why we gotta give credence to where credence is, that sin is so, messed, is, is so real and so evil that it will twist the minds of the very elect of man. And that none of us is above it. None of us you know, have gotten to this place where we can't be touched by it. The only place that can't be touched by it, and this is the reason, that's why we got to know where we live at, is those that are in Christ Jesus, my friends. This is the reason why it's so important that we understand that, uh, you know, that eternal life comes through Christ Jesus and that we have to be in Christ. Somebody say in Christ. And everything about the word and, and, and redemption that comes from God, not that is orchestrated by man. See, because that which is orchestrated by man will leave Christ out. But everything that God said about redemption was in Christ, in my son. 
in my son. And he proved it when he raised him from the dead. He put his stamp on it. See, this is what I'm saying, that the proof is in the pudding, my friend. That if you look throughout all of it, and there's only one that God has, uh, there's only one that incorporates the resurrection. There's only one that hinges on the resurrection. See, because the resurrection ain't, man couldn't do that. Only God can. And God proved it to mankind. He loved us enough that he would prove it to us. He would give us a sign and he would show us. He says, I put my stamp on it. I'm going to raise him from the dead. And when I raise him from the dead to my glory, he says, the glory of the Father. He says, then you will know the way unto eternal life. And so more than us, let us not be like Mary and Martha and, and the disciples. And what I say, let us not be like that because he's already said it. So it's going to take us to remember what he said, not forget what he said. So when we come up, when, when, the, when the angel speaks that he's not here, that, we, that fear won't grip us. Because what we'll know that when, when, when it's said that he's not here, what you going to know? That he has what? He has risen. See, that's what we're going to know. So immediately when you say that he ain't here, then we know where he is. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Somebody, don't miss this. Because we are living in a time, my friends, right now that is going to challenge uh, the truth of God's word on every side. And it's going to compel you in, in, uh, and on, on every side. And unless you can see and understand the truth, and, and, and the truth ain't what my truth is. The truth ain't what man's truth is. There's only, the only way that we can distinguish truth because otherwise we just can believe what somebody else can say it. The only truth, and it, it, I mean, just look at the picture and you can see it very clearly, that there's only one stamp that God put a, a stamp on. Everything else is man's presentation to God. But there's only one that comes by way of what God, uh, God's uh, compelling to man. And he compelled man to be redeemed through the only begotten son. Hallelujah. So it's high time that if you didn't understand this, you know that you believe, but you don't even really know why. That we have to study the word of God and everything about uh, the truth of God's word as he presented it is it hinges on something that God did that man couldn't do. It gave us a sign from heaven, from an uh, eternal supernatural sign that God, that, that God did it and he did it in such a way because he knew that, if, uh, that any other way some man would try to come and duplicate it or try to put some kind of fraudulent uh, stamp on it. In other words, some man, he knows the craftiness of man because of the evil that is presented in man and been injected in man that we always going to uh, you know, try to come up with a counterfeit. And you know, there's some counterfeit out there that's pretty darn good. When I say pretty good, it looks, it's hard for you to be able to distinguish with your naked eye. 
And even some of it got so good that that little marker ain't doing the trick no more. You got to come up with something better than that. They got lights and all kinds of different stuff that you have to shine on that stuff to be able to distinguish it. See, this is the heart of man and how evil it is. But God says, you know what? What I'm do what the stamp that I'm putting on, can't no man duplicate. And this is what Jesus was saying when he says that I am the resurrection and the life. And that no man, somebody say no man, comes unto the Father except by him. And this and understand this because there, you know, and, and we have to understand this because in understanding this, it'll help us to be able to allow God to use us to be able to minister to others. Because see, this ain't, since it didn't come from you, it came from God. So then you don't have to present it as though it's yours. We can present it as though uh, for who it is. Or we can be used to present it for who it is and see, and God is a God of love. And so when he ministers his truth, he can do it through you in love. See, we don't have to do it uh, standing up against somebody, you know, with a, uh, cutting them with a knife. But you can allow the spirit of God to be able to lead you just to impart truth to somebody. And I'm saying that because the thing about it is it, the truth that, we, uh, that, that is represented here it's not, not going to be from some man. And even if I'm saying it, it ain't from me. So I'm not professing uh, some idea that I came up with or some man came up with, whether it's Joseph Smith or whoever. We're talking about what God said. And he proved what he said because he did what no man could do. So let's just get to where the rubber meets the road. And what God says that what I have put my stamp on is that which I've uh, raised from the dead. That which I've resurrected. And so this is where our hearts have to be in touch with. It has to be in touch with the fact that, you know what? No, this, I'm, not, I can't, I'm not telling you what, what, what I hope, what I believe. I'm telling you what God said. I'm not telling you what Joseph Smith said or what some other man have said. I'm telling you what God has said and what he's done, amen? This is what we celebrate, the sign of all time. Not only did God not leave him in the grave, he raised him from the dead for the remission of our sins that paid the price for our sins, that God was satisfied, but uh, he didn't even leave us thinking or wondering whether he was satisfied. He showed us that he was satisfied through the resurrection. Ain't that good news? It's good news, my friend. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. And see, and this good news is worthy to be shared. It's worthy to be shared because there's coming a time and a day that, that, he's got, that, that we all know about. And that each and every one of us will stand before the judgment seat. And we're going to give an account either of those of us that are in Christ, we're going to give an account of the works that we've done in the body, having received the grace of God. Those of us that are separated from God 
that are not in Christ Jesus are going to give an account of their sin because their sin is not paid for. They didn't accept uh, the gift of their sins being paid for. They wanted to do it on their own, on their own merit, or whatever the case may be. And see, in, in, in this time of judgment is, is eternal, my friend. It is, it's, it, it, it's, it's nothing for us to play with. And I ain't just talking about yourself, but I'm talking about if you love somebody, then you, this has to speak to your heart. You, it cannot leave you at a place that you say that you love somebody and, you, uh, and they ain't accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior and you know what the eternal state is, no matter what they say. That, that God, that you can't open yourself, study his word, allow him to show you how to appeal to the very one that you love with the truth. See, because as God's, as he spent his blood of his only begotten son, he paid the price for sin for all mankind. So it's God's desire and would that all be saved in there. So more than even your desire to save, that your loved one be saved, it's God's desire first. So if you seek him, he will show you, he will help you if you surrender yourself to him and his word to be able to appeal to your loved one. And it's crazy because if you knew where your loved one, if you, hit, if you got a, a million dollar check and you know they was giving them out for free, then which one, but you only could get one so you can't go back and get another one. But, you, uh, but anybody that you sin can get one. Who, which one of us that would not sin our loved ones? We'd hurry up and do that. Probably charge them a little bit too. Hey, I, I know where you can get a million dollars, but I'd get 10% off the top. I don't know what our motivation would be, but we would definitely do that. You feel me? So which one of us, we're talking about eternal destination. We're talking about in the presence of God for all eternity or separated from God for all eternity. It doesn't, so if God can, if we love him, this is what this time is all about. For the rest of our stay here that God can use us. That not only our loved ones, but even strangers or co-workers or, or people that may pass you in the street or people that may be driving past you in a car. So when they make a mistake, instead of you flipping them off, cutting them off, cussing them out and all of this different stuff, that, that the love of God could actually show through you in a moment like that. Yes. 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 Because see, the thing that you don't realize is they read your bumper sticker that says, you know, Jesus is love and, and, and all of this stuff. But when they passed you and they made a mistake, you know, and, and, and cut you off a little bit, you know, what, uh, what they seen was you flipping them off, cussing them out? Or did they see, you know, a hand go up and, and then and that they could relate to, oh, Jesus is love. That maybe that's the very thing that, will, that may draw somebody into a relationship with God. See, we can't take none of this for granted because God is working it all for his glory and for his good. Amen. Hallelujah. So today is the day that... Each and every one of us, I will compel each and every one of you, I challenge each and every one of us today to realize that, no, he ain't there. Because the good news is he's risen. And in the fact that he's risen, that he has took our place on them crosses. 
that our sin has been removed, that, he's, uh, that our transgression has been removed as far as the east is from the west. That all, somebody say all, all of our transgressions are gone. And it's not because of how good you was, but because of what Jesus did that God says, yes, I'm satisfied with it. I'll put my stamp on it. Come on, I'm going to raise you up from the dead, son. That they all may see that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Please, don't let this moment, as God is speaking to each and every one of your hearts right where you are, right now, right where you are, that you cannot continue this journey and not allow him to use you if you know him. And if you don't know him, then it's time to get to know him, to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Because he's the only one, because the Bible says that in that day, oh, I forgot to tell y'all, that the Bibles declare that in the day that we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, guess what happens? That every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. What they going to confess? That not, not Joseph Smith, not Allah, not Buddha, not Hindu, but Jesus is Lord. That every knee shall bow and every tongue. And it ain't going to be at this point a tongue, the confession ain't going to come because they got an AK-47 stuck at their head. No, it's going to be because they see him for who he is. That he is Lord, that he is Lord, that he is Lord, that Jesus Christ is Lord. That he is risen from the dead and he is Lord. And he's Lord because God said he's Lord. He's Lord because the God that we all love and serve, that God, somebody say God, said that he is Lord. Look to, let us look to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, as you speak to our hearts and you've spoken to our hearts, Lord, just a simple message, no. Very simple and very straight to the point that you, God, have declared that Jesus Christ is Lord. That you have raised him from the dead and that he is Lord. And that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. So, Father, right now, while we have the chance to confess Jesus is Lord and it means something, that it does something. Because, see, that confession that he is Lord when we are standing before the, the great white throne judgment doesn't change our eternal destination. It just makes us, it just gives us a, a, the truth that we finally see, but at a time that is way too late. So Father, this day, let each and every one of us purpose in our heart, Lord God, that our lives can speak to the fact that Jesus is Lord, that we can be used for the kingdom, that Jesus is Lord. <laughs> wow, we have a chance in here where it makes a difference. So we thank you right now, Lord God, that as we celebrate this day, Lord God, don't let it pass 
our hearts, Lord God, and just stay on the surface of our minds this truth. But Lord, let it reach to the depths of our heart that will not only allow us to celebrate this day, but it'll change us this day. It will compel us to change, Lord God, this day. So we thank you right now, Lord God, for the obedience of your son that, that said, yes, Lord, I will go. That when you charged him to go and be the sacrifice, that he humbled himself and he did not think too highly of himself, but he humbled himself, Lord God. And he came and completed the task that you required. And that we know that you were satisfied with the task because you gave us the sign through the resurrection. And as your word says that if we die with Christ, we also shall be raised with him to eternal life. And for this, we are ever grateful and thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.